Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, and welcome to episode number 98 of the Milestone Pursuit podcast. The podcast that brings you chats with the elites as part of our scheme to invest in underfunded British elite marathon runners. That brings you workouts where I conduct a session, record it, and you can download it and run along. Run along with me as if I'm there with you. And the podcast that brings you recovery rambles. Where I jog nice and easy around the amazing Epping Forest and talk about something that's on my mind. And today, on Thursday the 24th of March, that's what we've got, a recovery ramble, keeping it nice and chilled, the weather is glorious, spring is here, the birds are singing, the brimstone butterflies are out, it's actually a bit warm, so let's just have a nice easy jog for the next, I don't know how long it will take me to get this all off my chest, and then we'll call it a day. So, last time on the Recovery Ramble, I talked about balance. And in doing so, I created a new label for myself. I call myself a balanceitarian. In response to my children becoming vegetarians and me describing how I saw my own dietary needs. A bit of everything. But it's also broader than that, it's a bit of a, a philosophy to be balanced. I went on to say in that recording, I went on to say that there is actually no such thing as balance, so I kind of contradicted myself. And that balance is a temporary state in between the ups and the downs. And it's very difficult to find and strike using my seesaw, my clumsy seesaw analogy. As I was reflecting on that one, on that ramble, Oh, this new label, balanceitarian. There's loads of new labels, new words springing up to describe people, to describe their behaviours, perhaps. And I was thinking about it, I was thinking, are labels helpful or not? So I want to explore that a bit today. And as ever with this, you don't have to agree with everything, you don't have to agree with anything. It's just me and my rambles around the forest with the crows and the blue tits and some of it today might get a little controversial so that's something to look forward to and so I created a little list of the new labels that are around new words and their meanings just to get my head around it and the, the little list I came up with was this, it was woke so that, as I understand it, is someone who's alert to prejudice and discrimination. I think that one used to be called being politically correct. But it's now called woke. Your snowflakes. People with a strong sense of entitlement. Easily offended. 
lacking resilience, and we'll come back to resilience later on. This is one of my favourites, mansplaining, where a man explains something to a woman in a particularly condescending fashion. Perhaps explaining to that woman something that she knows more about than the man. Now this one, I've seen this one in action, in a former life, in a boardroom, female directors getting talked down to about the finances of the company in a way that the male directors would not. So I've definitely seen that. And I've definitely been falsely accused of it. I've probably done it as well, to be fair. I've definitely been falsely accused of it as well at times, just trying to help someone and get accused of mansplaining. But anyway, personal feelings aside, we'll move on. Uh, this is one of, one of my new favourites, which I didn't fully understand until very recently. Sports washing, where you attempt to use sport to improve a tarnished reputation. I think Russia have done a pretty good job of that on people over the last few years. Even now, last night, they're bidding for Euro 2028, the football tournament. They must be mental. Oh, oh wait, yeah, maybe they, maybe they are. So that's a good one, sports washing. Whataboutery, I like that one because it sounds really nice off the tongue. Whataboutery, that's a good one. A bit long for Twitter, but it's a good one. And this is where, I like this explanation of it as well. This is where you attempt to discredit others without actually disproving them by pointing out hypocrisies or inconsistencies. And my favourite articulation of this was all through the pandemic when people were allowed to, let's say, I don't know, uh, play five-side football but they weren't allowed to play golf. But what about my thing? What about golf? What about the thing that I care about? Why can't I do the thing that I care about? What about... etc. So I like that one, that's fun. And the last one, on my little list, just as we head into the Thaden Boys section of the forest, the last one is gaslighting. And this is where people make us question our own view of reality. That seems to happen quite a lot too. But I think it is most specifically designed, gaslighting, to be around the habit of some men to try and alter women's perspectives and realities to suit their own needs whatever those needs are, particularly in a domestic violence context. And that is usually, obviously, with a false narrative. So you've got all this new stuff to get our head around. Oh, it's tiring, you've got to roll your eyes at it. Emojis as well, you've got all that going on too. The thumbs up, the passive aggressive emoji. I only knew that emojis could be passive aggressive. But the reality is, the language evolves, doesn't it? New words come along, 
old words, old words shift meaning. Even new languages develop like emojis, take on their own meanings. Those meanings change according to the context. And it's probably about time we had a few words in the English language to mean certain things. The German language has had it for a while with schadenfreude, for example, the act of celebrating other people's failures. And the reason I think this is happening now, and maybe it's always happened, well, I'm sure it's always happened, but I think it's being sped up by the internet. I think it's also being sped up by our impatience. Our our impatience with trying to understand nuance and difference. And in a complex world, I think it's coming because of a need to simplify. But are these and other labels helpful or are they hindering? Well, the thing with labels is actually the way they're applied. And they tend to be applied in an all-encompassing manner. So you either are or you're not one of these labels. And if you're one, is it possible to be another? Do they, are they mutually inclusive or exclusive? Perhaps depends. And I think they're an oversimplification. They lack, lack a few things. Or if they carry a few things, they lack nuance. They are typically pejorative. They tend to be badges of shame rather than badges of honour, being described as any of these things. It's a bit lazy, I think, homogenising people and their behaviours into buckets like that. And, importantly, I think they can be taken out of their original context. And of course language evolves and things change, but that needs to be considered. And it needs to be considered because it belittles the original meaning at times. So gaslighting, as an example, I've heard it used in the context of the way governments speak. And they're telling a false narrative in order to change our realities, change our perception on the realities. And that, in my mind, belittles the mental health issues that sit behind gaslighting in its purest form where a man is trying to change a woman's perception of reality for his own needs, causing a great deal of mental stress and unwellness. And when, when people talk about the government's gaslighting us, I think to myself, no they're not, they're just lying and that's different. They're just lying. They're trying to make themselves good, not necessarily trying to alter our perceptions of reality and, and mess with our mental health. Well, or are they? <laughs> maybe, maybe they are. Maybe it's the purest form of gaslighting, who knows? So as we're heading up through the failing voice section of the forest onto 
up to Epping and Bell Common, the cricket ground that sits on top of the M25 or sits on top of a tunnel over the M25. So now again I'm going to talk about a couple of examples of the complexity of labelling. So we're moving around a little bit now and I'm going to use two fields to talk about this. One is the field of neurodiversity and the second is the field of gender. Uh oh! Going to touch on gender and it's a man. Uh oh! Massive red flags. Don't cancel me please. Okay, we'll come back to that. Right, so let's talk about neurodiversity. So neurodiversity is best, I think, explained simply as variations in brain function. Not choices, it is where our brains are wired slightly differently from the neurotypical. And so it's not hard for us to have our perception change because it's already different. Our perception of the world and the, we, the one we live in is different. Impossible to quantify, of course, because we don't know how everyone sees everything else. But there are a number of elements to neurodiversity and neurodiverse people. And these are the things that you're familiar with to greater or lesser extents. So we've got autism, which we're going to come back to shortly. We've got ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, where people find it hard to maintain attention, and they're hyperactive. <laughs> and then we have dyslexia, where people find it hard to process language, struggle to read and to write. Dyspraxia, where people have trouble with their motor skills, and this can come across as clumsiness or being uncoordinated. And then dysgraphia, where people can struggle to write. Dyscalcula, where people struggle with maths. And then finally, on the final two, audio processing disorder, where people struggle with sounds and being able to follow spoken directions. And visual processing disorder, where people struggle to read and follow visual instructions like maps. Here we are, up on the comment. But I'm mostly going to talk about autism because it's the one that I know more about than the others and that's because my eldest son, Leo, who's 10, has an autism diagnosis. Now, autism is famously known as being a spectrum disorder, which suggests it's two-dimensional. And you sit somewhere on a spectrum between being not autistic and autistic, and many places in between. Just going over a couple of styles. Here the M25, just to my left, down the hill, down the tunnel, 
jogging across into the fields on the northern side of the M25 heading into the Copped Hall Estate the Leicester Square of the Essex Monopoly Board that's the fact by the way there is an Essex Monopoly Board and Copped Hall is on it anyway that's a tangent so to simplify things we like to think of autism as a spectrum disorder two dimensional But in reality, it's more like a 3D model. Because there are multiple elements to being autistic that are evaluated, assessed, and are characterised by the behaviour of the autistic person. So the dimensions that are looked at through the diagnosis process are the individual's ability to communicate and interact with others. That's how easy they find it to speak, form new relationships, hold eye contact, that sort of stuff. That's number one. There's number two is cognition and learning. So how easy it is they find to take on new ideas and concepts. The third is social and emotional mental health. So how they cope emotionally with the social situations, difficult situations, transitions. That's one of Leo's biggest struggles, is moving swiftly and seamlessly from one thing to another. And the final element is the physical and sensory element. So how are they with manipulating their own body, how's the proprioception, how do they keep it, in, how, how aware are they of their body in its space. It's going through a style into the second part of the field. And many autistic people carry, ooh, really muddy here. Many autistic people carry sensory issues, so feeling touch, noise, all of those things can be particularly troublesome for autistic people. So you've got a really broad range of things that place you on the spectrum that I think make it, makes it three-dimensional, makes it much more difficult to understand, much more nuanced. And then you layer in the individual. Their social circumstances, their family circumstances, the way they are, and they're all very, very different. And the saying in the autism world is once you've met one autistic person, you've met one autistic person, because they are all so different. And of course, so is true of the neurotypical. We are all so different. But the interesting thing here is about the label of autism. So with Leo, he was diagnosed as being autistic when he was in reception at school. So he was four. And it's the school that alerted us to it. We saw a sort of diagnosis. Got one very quickly, thankfully can be a very arduous process but we were lucky and then you get the label yeah he's autistic and it sends you into a bit of a tailspin because the label as I said before labels tend to be pejorative and 
the reality is he doesn't change nothing's changed but the way the world looks at it might have changed because of the label not because of who he is but because of the label so it takes a while to get your head around and it's a challenging one to handle in lots of situations because you might not always see it obviously it depends on where you are against all of those four elements where you are against the 3D, 4D model it's going back through another style out onto the road towards Copt Hall on we go but you might not see it and so it might not need to be explained but there are other times when it probably does need to be explained and as soon as you've explained it you can't put it back in the box again and that perception that someone has will have changed but here's the really interesting thing so that was now that was pretty hard for us to deal with but not the end of the world he didn't change and in lots of ways you can look at the superpowers that come with autism and many of the neurodiverse traits you know we can spend ages talking about the really smart people from the past who were or probably were autistic like Einstein but as I say the reality is it doesn't change him and I was thinking any situation like this where judgement is being applied we should take our cues from children their response I think is always telling because it's so natural so Leo has always been aware of his diagnosis we've talked to him about what it means how he's different we've helped we've used it to explain why he struggles with some things so that he makes sense of it and can put measures in place to help him but one of the proudest moments we had was when at school they were having National Autistic Week or whatever it is another label for you and he decided on his own this was year two so he was seven is that right? seven? yeah and he stood up in front of his class and told them all he was autistic and we didn't even know he was going to do it found out afterwards oh makes me feel a bit emotional just thinking about it and there's two things that are brilliant about that the first is that he owned it that this is who I am and I'm prepared to talk about it especially impressive given that one of his natures is introversion although interestingly we're finding that changing slightly now just jogging past Copt Hall lovely in the sunshine 
the second thing that was brilliant about that was the kids' response. They were all like, yeah, that makes sense. That sounds like Leo. And nothing changed. Not to our knowledge, anyway. Nothing openly changed. And that shows you how kids react in a different way. Much more forgiving, much more tolerant, supportive, kind, as a whole. Which is an interesting thought, but not one for today. But what's bad about this label? So this is all good, he's got ownership of it. You can see his superpowers, we can help manage him as a result of our knowledge of it. What's bad is where it becomes an excuse. It can become an excuse for his behaviour. And we can excuse some of his behaviours because of it. Which makes having a neurotypical child difficult because he doesn't understand why he's being treated differently. So that's hard. And the second thing that's hard is when he doesn't take responsibility for his behaviour and he plays up to his autism. Which he has definitely been known to do. So, labelling can be helpful and it can be harmful. Just going to go over a bridge over the M25. This time, back round in the loop. And then we'll, we'll get going again. And we're now going to move on to talking about gender. Uh-oh, here's the red flags. And the labels, the labels are men and women. And... In my mind, they're a construct that is based on two levels. One is biology, and two is societal norms. So let's talk a little bit about biology. So whether you're born a man or a woman, this is the most obvious thing in the world, I'm going to do some mansplaining now. When you're born a man or a woman, it all depends on which set of chromosomes you get. and that changes everything. Men produce sperm, women produce eggs, men have testosterone, they women have oestrogen, among a whole bunch of other things that make the biological differences between men and women. These are facts, I think, unless someone's been gaslighting me. The second thing is societal norms. So this is where men and women might take on different behavioural traits, different roles based on what's expected of them. Or what they think is expected of them or what they expect of themselves even in any situation. And the typical one to look at to exemplify my point is the role of the woman as the carer, the nurturer, particularly in a family environment, and the role of the man as the provider. And this is particularly acute 
when people have children. And the reason it's mostly acute then is that aside from one animalistic act at the very beginning of the process, the role of the man from a biological perspective is as good as useless. We don't carry the baby, we don't grow the baby, we don't birth the baby, we don't feed the baby. I think that's it, isn't it, from a biological perspective. And so what we tend to do, driven a little bit by societal norms, but also our expectations of ourselves to contribute, we go and provide. And that could be we go and make the food, find the food, forage the food. It could be that we go and earn the money while the maternal parent is unable to do so. Or it could be that we provide support for our partner. And these are very embedded, hardwired elements to the functions of men and women. Of course, not universally true, not everyone has children, not everyone has heterosexual relationships. But of course, this hardwiring that we see in those relationships is also related to biology. So it's hard to escape from the biological differences in the way that men and women see themselves and indeed the way the world sees them. Now it's changing, of course. Everything's becoming ever more equal. But it does bring... The equality process brings complexities and it is hard. Remember that labelling exists in part to simplify things. So as soon as we start becoming more equal, so as the roles of man and woman potentially change, we're adding complexity which may well be a positive thing. Certainly at an individual level. But gender also becomes complicated by feelings. And here we're going to get into the world of transgender. Uh Uh-oh! JK Rowling alert! So this is another label. And if I'm going to use that label, I'm going to say it's a group of people that want to be included. They want their feelings to be recognised. And they want themselves to be recognised as women. Despite being born a man and living a life as a man for much of their early life. Oh, look. Great big buzzards just flown off from the tree that I'm running under. Of course, anyone can feel how they want. It's entirely up to them. It's entirely their prerogative. And it's our response to that that matters, just like it did with Leo's schoolmates. But how we respond depends on the context. 
so in the world of transgender unisex toilets I think that can work can't it I know there are some complications with that I'm not dismissing how women feel about men being in their spaces but it feels like there's a solution in there somewhere that's workable but unisex sport particularly endurance sport is that workable and here of course we come round to the controversy if I haven't been controversial enough already let's talk about Leah Thomas now here the reality is in endurance sport that women have it harder than men there's loads of reasons why women have it harder than men but if we just simplify it for the sake of a short discussion we can talk about this one another time there's two factors both linked there's testosterone and the menstrual cycle so men are flooded with testosterone particularly when they go through puberty and testosterone helps build bone strength creates lean muscle mass and it increases our red blood cell count and women don't have that luxury of testosterone instead their gift is the menstrual cycle and obviously what this means there can be wild fluctuations in the course of a month six weeks however long that cycle is largely driven by changing levels of estrogen and in core body temperature changes and the core body temperature goes up immediately before your period and obviously makes cooling a lot harder but oestrogen impacts upon the cycle twice within a month and what oestrogen does is it enables fat to be utilised as an energy source better than carbs and oestrogen peaks twice a month firstly right before ovulation it then descends during ovulation and then rises again before your period so it's fluctuating throughout the month assuming it is a month and these things combined with a lack of testosterone make it harder now I'm not an expert in women's health matters by any stretch of the imagination and I realise I run the risk of doing some mansplaining here so I'm very sorry if that's how it's come across it's not intended to be but it's interesting because my experience of coaching women is that their understanding of the impact of the menstrual cycle isn't as great as you might imagine and to be fair why would it be it's not something that's talked about openly it's not shared it's taboo so women have it harder and now turning back to Leah Thomas if you don't know who Leah Thomas is she's the American swimmer transgender swimmer who competed in the women's national swimming championships and won and now in our desire for inclusivity we are making it even harder for women by allowing people who are born as a man who go through puberty as a man getting that testosterone rush 
we're allowing them to compete with winning in endurance sport. Now I know that I, I run the risk of being cancelled here, just like JK Rowling, but perhaps she's got a bit of a bigger following than me, so maybe I'll get away with it. And actually I run the risk of being given a label. I run the risk of being described as transphobic, which it would appear there is no intersection between being supportive of transgender people and supportive of women. So transgender and feminists battle it out. So I'm risking being cancelled, but I'm all for inclusion. But I think the inclusion doesn't necessarily mean or shouldn't mean excluding others. And I don't think inclusion should mean equalising everything and reducing others in the process. I think it means giving everyone an opportunity. And if we look at it through the lens of running for a minute, moving on from swimming, we'll come back to swimming in a sec, I think. We'll look at it through the lens of running. Running's so inclusive as a sport. I can't think of a more inclusive sport. Everyone runs the same courses, has the same opportunities, more or less. There are some exceptions to that. And everyone can run. And everyone's going through the same feelings when it gets tough, for example. But being inclusive, I think, is another label that can be dangerous. And I think this can be dangerous. Because at times, I think being inclusive is, is meant, or is said to mean, that we have to provide for everyone. Which we do. All abilities in running are looked after at all levels. From park run, catch to 5k, through to the Olympics. There is opportunity for everyone. But inclusion also means meeting the needs of the elite athletes. Inclusion doesn't have to mean just including everyone of lower abilities. It needs to include everyone of higher abilities as well. And I think that sometimes gets forgotten. And back to swimming, in our rush to be inclusive of Leah Thomas, we've excluded the Olympic silver medalist Emma Wayant, who came second in that race. So what I'm saying is that even a sport as inclusive as running, we need to celebrate difference. The difference between people of different natures and abilities, standards, experiences. We need to take account of it and provide for everyone equal opportunity. And this for me is the big issue here. Because labelling, what labelling does is it creates pigeonholes. People do it to simplify, they do it to homogenise. And the upside of that is it can create belonging for people, they can feel comfortable knowing things. Leo feels more comfortable knowing that he's autistic. But the downside is that it creates cliques. It creates divisions, as we can see, between transgender people and feminists. 
and division and divisiveness creates battlegrounds and that divisiveness is used as a tactic by people who want to engender a whole host of support for whatever cause they believe is the most important it's used by Trump when he was president and before it's been used by Johnson both in government and in the Brexit campaign it's used now by Putin it was used by Hitler create division and you create some power and by definition homogenising and creating divisiveness doesn't celebrate difference it doesn't create empathy it creates judgement and difference is so important new ideas, new thinking comes from difference it's how we develop and evolve as a, as a society and as a species new ideas, new thinking help us solve problems and we're all solving problems all of the time it's a constant and I've said before that as we get better at problem solving we become more resilient we become more adept at being able to solve future problems because we've experienced problems that we've solved in the past and the more adept we become at solving problems the more confident we become that we'll overcome the next one which is what resilience is all about and so it follows that the more diverse we are the more resilient we are both individually and societally and let's be honest we really do need to be resilient right now to cope with all the judgement that's on offer around the world around our worlds and to avoid being called a snowflake so labels are coming to the end labels are understandable they can be helpful in simplifying things in certain situations but they can also be deeply harmful they can be they can lose nuance they're pejorative they create division that by definition doesn't celebrate difference and that impacts upon our collective ability to solve problems and be resilient as a result so there you go labels create snowflakes so on that note we are all done I'm sure that you can indulge in a game of label bingo through this how many times have I been woke how many times have I been a snowflake how many times have I been mansplaining how many whataboutaries did I do how much sports washing I did and how much gaslighting was going on I'm sure you can find loads of it but I hope it was vaguely useful and if it wasn't useful I hope it's helped you pass the time 
thank you as ever for joining me it's been fun it's been glorious weather and I'll be back soon for something different thanks a lot take care hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 